Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And we are back with some live theatre, baby. Yes, indeed. We are in our live theatre season. I Well, I, a two-episode season. Yes. <laughs> because we did not get to talk about the absolutely fantastical Anyone Can Whistle. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Very you more about that? You can go back to our last episode. Yeah, listen to Pinocchio and you'll find out a little bit more about why that did not happen. But mm-hmm. I'm really excited we're going to have two weeks of live theatre. A show that I'm familiar with this week and a show I'm not familiar with next week. And more on that at the close. Because today's musical is what I watched with you very, very early on into our podcasting life. We watched the uh, 2002 Rob Marshall film. Yes, indeed. And Rob Marshall we've talked about multiple times on this podcast and could well be the MVP for the podcast as a whole. You know, maybe when we inevitably run out of musicals to talk about we will talk about how Rob Marshall has been incredibly consistent. And I think Chicago was such a highlight of that first year of podcasting. Mm-hmm. I have been really excited to inevitably get the chance to see it live ever since. And there's obviously not much, I guess, for us to talk about here in the preamble because Chicago got five stars when we watched it. Mm-hmm. I thought... Uh, Renee Zelga was amazing as Roxy. I loved Catherine Zeta-Jones as Velma. I thought Richard Gere was amazing as Billy Flynn. I loved Razzle Dazzle. Mm -hmm. And I I loved Reached for the Gun. Yes. And we've obviously talked as well with Ian of the best film ever about why Chicago matters to him. Mm -hmm. So this is a show I'm very excited to watch at last. Yes. So what do you know about the differences between the movie version of Chicago and the stage version? And if you listening are interested in hearing a little bit more about the history of Chicago, how that show was made and where it came from, we talk about it a lot more in our movie episode. We will touch on it today, but not quite so in depth. Yeah. So you can go back and listen to us talk Chicago and then join us again. Mm-hmm. I remember you said how people couldn't visualize a film version of Chicago it's very much like a dance musical obviously it's Bob Fosse which is great first time we're going to see something of his live Mm -hmm. yes Candor and Ebb and we talked about them with Kiss of the Spider Woman as well I think Mm -hmm. when we we talked about that with Jared yeah and then the book is by Ebb and Bob Fosse I remember yeah that people were like how do you film this it's not a very filmable show and then the idea to kind of make it all through Roxy's perspective Mm -hmm. was that creative thread that made the film work and so successful so I feel like I feel like I've heard it's not as like scenic that they don't set each scene within a new location that is very, very minimalist as a set. Mm-hmm. But I can't quite recall, you know, what that is. And I know there's a few additional songs that were cut from the film. Yes. I think ultimately I'm looking forward to seeing some really good choreography. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, that is like the biggest thing with Chicago. Obviously, it's a Fosse musical. We're going to see some amazing choreography. I know that Chicago has a history for being stunt cast. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, that's like your Billy Flynn role or maybe your Roxy Hart role. And I know that obviously when we watched The Prom, Nicole Kidman wanted to be Roxy. Yes. So, Which is really funny because in real life... She'd probably be a Velma. Well, oh no, Nicole Kidman was nearly, but it was post Moulin Rouge and she needed a break. Yeah. But I think she'd be a good Roxy in yeah. real life. I could see that. Nearly every role... In Chicago, the the like main named roles as opposed to the ensemble cast have been stunt cast at some time or other. I would say every titled role has been stunt cast except for maybe Miss Sunshine, but then they did that with her in the film, so she's Christine Baranski. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's for reasons that we will talk about afterwards. Are there? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I just remember really enjoying Christine Baranski. Yeah, there's been some interesting stunt casting with Chicago. And recently, this touring production has announced that when Sheila Ferguson reaches the end of her time doing, uh, is it Mama Morton? Mm-hmm. That Gemma Collins of The Only Way is Essex will be taking over the role. Which is, I mean, has got people talking about this tour. If people did not know that Chicago was touring the UK. They certainly do now. Mm -hmm. And has made me want to see it for like, I mean, we're not seeing Gemma Collins. We're still seeing Sheila Ferguson. Yeah. It makes me want to see it because Gemma Collins kind of has this like car crash vibe about her. You can't look away because you're kind of like, what will she do? Yeah. And for people who don't know who she is in other territories, she's this reality tv personality from a tv show called the only way is essex and she is known i think almost as a meme in some ways because some of the things she's done are very gif worthy you know like she was on uh dancing on ice i think and she had like a fall mm-hmm. and that like got shared and she announced the cast of love island as winners of a, a prize at the i think national tv awards and she fell in a pit <laughs> oh yeah she fell into the um the, the escalator thing as they was bringing the cast up yeah and like got shared so she's one of those that has this like you can't look away because you're so intrigued as to what could happen mm-hmm. but also like there's a lot of people i know i've seen who are like well i don't want to see her doing it because i i don't see her as that sort of performer and actually she has got a, a history at lanes was it it wasn't lanes it wasn't lanes uh she did go to a theatre school when she was a teenager. I can't find anything about how long she was there for, but, you know, she did go yeah. attend a theatre school. But in 2018, she was a part of a celebrity one-off special of All Together Now. Cool. Which is that game show where somebody comes on and sings, and if you can get the audience to sing along with you, yeah, you gain points for like however many audience members join in with your song i didn't even know that was a thing that sounds like a great concept it's a good concept but so she sang big spender yeah which is obviously a musical theater song and she got a score of 88 
And then she sang This Is Me from The Greatest Showman and finished third place overall in the show, which is pretty good. Um, but she was impressing people with her vocal skills. Yeah, she's got a personality. So, you know, it's one of those I'm glad mm-hmm. we're seeing Sheila Ferguson, but I do also want to see, and you know, Chicago again when she takes over the role. Mm-hmm. I would say possibly, you know, in terms of, I wouldn't say it's necessarily sunk cast with huge, huge names. Obviously, Sheila Ferguson is an incredibly talented uh, singer. And... Yeah, she's like Sheila Ferguson of the three degrees. Yeah. Which, obviously, she's incredibly famous for. She was in The French Connection. Yeah. and But she has a musical theatre history as well. So it's mm-hmm. not exactly like a sunk cast because she does have, you know, a, a history of performing. You know, she's done... Uh, thoroughly modern Millie, fame, so yeah, but what a night! Yeah, definitely has you know a, a fantastic CV. And you've got Russell Watson mm-hmm. as Billy Flynn, who is the people's tenor, I believe yes. they call him, sings like Pavarotti and entertains the audience like Frank Sinatra, which is two huge names to kind of put up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely, you know, both of these feel like huge castings that, you know, will attract a bigger audience. But I wouldn't say they're stunt casting. Well, so there's been a lot of conversation in the last couple of years around stunt casting and around what that means. Some Performers have referred to it instead as sensible casting. Yeah. Meaning that they are casting somebody who is not only good for the role, but will also have an audience draw and cause people who wouldn't normally go and see the show to come and see it. I like that terminology. I mean, you're going to tell me why I shouldn't. Now, the issue is I do agree in a way with that. Obviously, getting cast in roles like that is a is good like you're bringing in an audience that would normally pay to see your show therefore you are making more money therefore your show will run for longer yeah however at the same time you then fall into issues where you have a quite a large population of the acting community who have trained and worked their entire lives to get these roles who are overlooked for somebody who is a internet personality or a TikTok star, or, you know, from a different, a differing background who is brought in purely from a uh, outsider's point of view, purely from an outsider's point of view, because of the number of followers that they have. And that's where the issue lies, is that uh, there are, there have been cases and instances where the person cast was not the best person for the role, and was just cast because it would get them a bigger audience. Yeah. I saw Chicago on Broadway and the actor who was playing Billy Flynn, I had no idea who he was, but he was fantastic. He was a really, really good actor. And afterwards, when we were coming out of the show, somebody told me that he was the dad in Jane the Virgin. Yeah. And I was like, okay. But he was cast because he was good for the role and because he also had an audience draw. Yeah. There have been times when specifically with Chicago, the casting like that 
has worked well and there have been times where it hasn't worked well. Like at some point this year, Lee Mead is going to take over as Billy Flynn. That is very cool. He's a phenomenal performer and he got his start on that Joseph like, yes. uh, game show with Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Any dream will do. Yes. And that's great. Like he has a big following because he was on that show and because people have followed his career since that, but he's a musical theatre performer. Yes. As opposed to an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those interesting shows that you have to talk about it, don't you? Mm-hmm. And really, it's up to people to decide whether or not they want to support that kind of casting or whether or not they like that kind of casting. And if you are somebody who really enjoys seeing people you would have never expected to see in musicals, that's great. And you are the person they are aiming that at. Yeah. So we also have uh, Faye Brooks, Mm -hmm. who will be playing the role of Roxy Hart. Yes. Has been Princess Fiona in Shrek. Mm -hmm. Was Elwood's in Eagerly Blonde on the national tour and was Frenchie in Greece and won a national television award uh, for her role in Coronation Street. Very cool. We have Jalenga Scott. Yes. Who is playing Velma. Mm Mm-hmm. Velma Kelly? Yes. Uh, again. I'm glad you can remember the, these names. Yeah. That's good. But, uh, was Lily St. Regis in Annie? Rizzo in Greece on tour. That was a good one. Has been Mona and Liz in Chicago already mm-hmm. at the Garrick Theatre, Cambridge Theatre and Adelphi Theatre. Was in Joseph. Was, yeah, Bombadarina in Cats. Rizzo in Greece. Magenta in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Harley Quinn in Batman Live, which... And... She was in Trapped, if anybody remembers. I don't know whether this was just shown in the UK, but the TV show Trapped, yeah. where you are the saboteur, which, like, oh, incredible. I know that. But you did point out, actually, going back to Faye Brooks, Helena in Atlantis. Yes, I also watched that show. That was the replacement for Merlin. Yes, it was. Yeah. Indeed. We have Jamie Borgen as Amos. We apologise if we're pronouncing your name wrong. Uh, has been Amos in the National Tour of Chicago previously, mm-hmm. but was also in Kinky Boots, has been in The Wind in the Willows, at the Rose Theatre, was in By Jeeves. So, you know, oh, fan- So he was. Yeah. Yeah. And then one. we have B.E. Wong as Miss Sunshine. Yes. Previously been in a few different uh, operas, Mame, the musical, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and then a bunch of Shakespeare, which is very, very cool. Yeah. Singer of the Year Award in Australia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So we have quite a nice looking cast here. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to go back in time once more for 1920 Chicago. I'm really excited to see how the cell block tango works. Yes. Because I love that sequence. I'm also especially excited to see how well Reach for the Gun and Razzle Dazzle come across on stage. Mm -hmm. Two of my favourite songs from Chicago that are on the playlist and get listened to quite frequently. You enjoyed it when you saw it live? What do you prefer, the the Broadway version you saw or the film version? The stage version, for sure. I really enjoyed it. And I just think 
for such a phenomenal Fosse musical, you really lose all of that for the in the film, especially the Hot Honey Rag dance, which, oh my God, I could probably walk you step by step through every single move performed in that <laughs> dance because I was obsessed with it when I was a teenager. Like, I watched so many videos of that dance and especially the Broadway backwards version of it where they had, I think it was Raul Esparza actually That's performed cool. that with somebody else. can't remember who the other person was. But that was a great performance. I liked that. Yeah. Which one do you think I'm going to prefer? Do you think I will come out of this wishing it was the film again? Or do you think... Well, you saw the film first, so I think you are going to like the film better. I think it'll be interesting because I will possibly make comparisons about things hmm. based on what I know from the film as opposed to, like, you know, for me, the definitive Velma is Catherine Zeta-Jones. So I'm going to look at any decisions that Jelenga Scott makes mm -hmm. and compare them to Catherine Zeta-Jones and not the other way around. Yes. So that I think is going to be quite interesting. But yeah, I think it's time. Uh, we had it coming. Yes, indeed. It's time to go to jail and find out what happens. And we'll be back, mm -hmm. hopefully, after intermission. And we are back. You had it coming. I usually do. <laughs> I had a great night. This mm. was such a fantastic show to see live and was was everything I wanted it to be. I told you so. Yeah. It's not like you dragged me kicking and screaming going, come on, Danny, we're going to watch Chicago again. And I was like, no, Drew, not Chicago again. I was quite willing to go. Yes. But for something you were... Slightly worried about, like, comparing too much to the film? What do you yeah. think? I definitely think seeing the film first really did impact a lot of how I saw these characters. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realise it until we were talking in the car on the way home, just how much I'd set as, like, it's really interesting to see, you know, a Velma who's not so sexy all the time and is is, is a little bit of a klutz in some ways, you know, and you're like, yes, that's because you've only seen the film version. Mm -hmm. Klutz is the wrong word, but do you know what I mean? Like, she definitely doesn't come across it as sultry. It doesn't everything go her way. Like, it yes. does in the film. Like, everything she does sort of goes her way. Yeah, there's Whereas a lot... in the stage show, we get a lot more of... Personality. Well, and the Velma that isn't the fictional one that lives inside of Roxy's head. Yes, and that I thought was quite interesting because this doesn't take place in her head it's almost like everyone's head, almost. It. I tell you what, it is. It's very much like a media circus mm -hmm. because they're very much introduced like circus acts, and it's almost like this is what Pippin should be. Yeah. And the way they're introduced, it's their time in the circle. It is this media circus that everything's happening in the public eye. And we're the spectators gleaning information from them as they put on a show. There's like a public face and then a private face. Yes. I, but I really, really enjoyed it. And 
definitely think it holds up the legacy of the film for me and possibly surpasses it as well, mm-hmm. which isn't an easy thing to do. Yeah. We got into the theatre, and first of all, we see this amazing spotlight on a chair with the bowler hat. Mm-hmm. And you said to me that you really hope they're doing what you thought they were doing because we noticed there was no pit. So the way Woking Theatre usually works is there's three rows at the front that get taken out Mm -hmm. for an orchestra pit. And they weren't there for singing in the rain. Obviously, I guess you don't want to drown your orchestra. Yes. And they weren't there when we sat down today. And you looked at me and you're like, I really hope that means what I think it's going to mean. Mm Mm-hmm. What does it mean, Joe? Uh, the entire orchestra are on stage in the jury box, which is possibly one of my favourite sets ever designed for a musical. Yeah. The fact that you've got this incredible entrance to the stage. While they still use the wings, a lot of the entry for the main characters is through the jury box, and it's so nicely done. Yeah, and it's absolutely fantastic. Like you say, it's one of the best sets ever, and it's so simple. Mm-hmm. But all it is is a jury box. You've got some ladders on the sides of the stage that come in and out as needed. Yep. But it's so amazing in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great because the orchestra had this amazing part to get involved with the show and with the world. So our musical director is Andrew Hilton. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the programme that says... Uh, not composer. I don't know what the term would be. Conductor? Conductor, that would be it. So there's nothing. So I'm assuming that Andrew Hilton, musical director, is the conductor. Yes. And what I really loved was the ability to give these characters in the jury some personality. Mm-hmm. And actually, Andrew Hilton has a personality throughout that really shines and some really lovely interactions with the characters. You know, you have Billy Flynn make jokes later on in the show and he laughs hysterically like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. Mm -hmm. There's some interaction with the audience at the start of Act 2. Yeah. But one of my favourite bits, we get this constantly returning motif of play my exit music. So when a character finally leaves after they've played their part, Mm -hmm. off the band go. And they play the exit music. And the best one is right at the end where poor Amos says, play my exit music. And nothing happens. Nothing happens because he's ignored. But it's just great because they, they have such a great personality and they're part of the show. Not just because they're playing the music. They actually are part of the show. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And you're right. One of the best sets we've ever seen in person. Yes, indeed. We start with all that jazz. Well, we start with Michelle Andrews, who plays Annie, which is one of the girls yes. in prison, coming on to introduce us to the world of the show. And we also she... have one of those great PA announcements, don't we? Oh my God, yes. In-character PA announcements, which I find equally hilarious and sort of teeth grinding. Um, I used to really like them, and you've turned me off them a little bit because of a TikTok that you've yes. shown me. Where a guy sits and everything's in character. And it is like, oh, this is so painful now. Like the one with Annie is like, oh no, Miss Hannigan's on the way. And it's like, 
now you've made me dread when we get an in-character one because I used to love them and now I don't. <laughs> Sorry. They're great. I think they're really funny and they're a good way to get people into the world that you're showing. Like I, But there are some that grate my teeth more than others. Like I saw Hairspray once and that was supposed to be Tracy talking to you as an audience member and I was like, no, I'm not here for this. Yeah. This one was, I mean, this one was good. I this one was it. good. I like this one. And yes, the world is introduced and we get the a five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> you wanted to do the no, Muppet Show, didn't you? Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no. Uh, and, and then when we finally get to all that jazz, mm-hmm. oh, I loved this bit is Velma comes up through the jury box. Yes. And just starts coming down. Just mm. like Swan did last week at his wedding. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Which was so funny. Yep. And comes on down and absolutely nails all that jazz. Yeah. It's a really good opening song. And it's one of the songs I think has... There's a there's a lot of songs in this, this, this show with expectations. Yeah. But I think you're starting the show right away with one of the big numbers. And I think it was it was great. I love the choreography. I love the back and forth as we see Velma doing all that jazz, and then we see Roxy falling around with Fred. Yeah, who's Fred Casey? My ex-boyfriend. Ah, oh, Fred Casey was good. He he was like Joe Benjamin. Yeah. Yes, I really liked him and like his presence because there's this nice bit as they're doing all that jazz, and he's posturing and like looking at his muscles. He does push-ups mm-hmm. and it tells you everything you need to know like he is completely the opposite of poor amos yes indeed and yeah all that jazz was fantastic absolutely great opening number mm-hmm. and then we end with a bit of story as fred casey gets shot oh fred and he just lies on the stage face out mm-hmm. and then he so while the scene changes into the sort of setup for Funny Honey, Fred is taken back slightly and put into what is essentially like a little coffin yeah. in the jury box so that in the next scene he can pop up, yeah. which is great. It's very cool and very well done. It is very, very well done. I really liked this moment where you, you have Amos come on and he's obviously signing the papers and saying that yeah yeah i did it i came home he was in here you know this sicko imagine what you could have done to my wife mm-hmm. and then you've got roxy roxy climbing the ladder at the side yeah and it's just like wow look at her up there and i especially like the way she's looking down on him because funny honey isn't like romantic here like it came no, across the first verse is her being quite nice about him yeah and then the second verse is her saying like oh the lyrics are something like now he's run off his trap i can't stand that sound yeah. like she doesn't like him yeah and it's really good like staging she got the physicality of she looks down on him mm-hmm. and the language of she looks down on him mm-hmm. and i thought it was really nice and really simple and i like that she only used that side of the stage so she is a uh, stage left yes and then when velma does the exact same thing she stage right like each of them have their own sides and I do like the moment as it all amplifies and he starts to realise, like, they show Fred Casey. He's like, well, that's Fred Casey. He sold us our furniture. Mm-hmm. And he realises that he's been conned. He changes his statement. 
And I love how Roxy comes out and is like, yeah, I killed him. What are you going to do about it? And she just gets arrested and she's like, what? There's some really lovely personality to Roxy here that she doesn't feel as arrogant or obnoxious as Renee Zellweger's. Yeah. She's quite naive and cheeky. But that's that that's that that's that jazz and liquor for you, isn't it? Sure. Stay away from jazz and liquor. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, we're jumping ahead. Um yeah, I love how the ladders are used in this show. I think it is so clever, especially by the time it comes back around for the I know a girl. Yes. I think that's when it was. Because it's when she's up and she gets swung shut, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. One of the things I really enjoyed about this is obviously this isn't happening in Roxy's head. But the way with which the songs get introduced is mm-hmm. somebody steps forward from the cast and they announce the songs. Like they're these acts. And obviously we're about to go into Cell Block Tango. Yes. And somebody steps forward and says that it's the murderesses. The uh, Merry Murderesses yes. of the Cook County Jail. And they all come forward and they obviously have their noises and their mannerisms. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed was, again, whereas in the film this is a lot more subtle, they're a lot bigger and more animated here and I really enjoyed that about the performance mm-hmm. that it's not again they're trying to be sexy with this that it's it's just big and over the top and kind of unsettling they're not glamorized like they were in the film version yes and that's kind of the point it's one of the things that people commented a lot about with the film was that you sort of lose some of the edge of these characters yes for the more glamorized version but then i think it is because the film lent a lot more heavily into the like roxy's mind side of things yeah this is how roxy sees it whereas this is like we're supposed to be scared of these people they're murderers well i think it's far more how they see themselves which i think is really really interesting hmm and you have these great moments where obviously all, all the characters step out and they explain what they did and why they keep saying like Cicero, Lipschitz, Pup. Mm-hmm. And I, it's at this point I remember that we have a legitimately innocent character with our Hungarian murderess. Yeah. Who just keeps saying, not guilty. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot about that part of the story until then. I was like, oh, oh. That poor, that poor character, because I know where this is going for her. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it's actually really interesting that they do have an innocent character in this, and things don't go well for them. Yeah, you know, good people don't don't come out well in this world. If you look at her, if you look at Amos, yeah, it it really does say a lot about the world, and that you know, kind of, if you want to get ahead. You've got to have an edge to you. Mm-hmm. Good people don't survive this world. Got to have a gimmick. Yeah. But I, I do. I loved Cell Block Tango, the way it just escalated. That was one, again, very early on, big expectations. I, I think if we, we spoke to, if, if we were to speak to people going in Chicago, which songs are you excited to hear? It'd be all that jazz and Cell Block Tango, I think, would be the 
the biggest ones that people yes. have mentioned. Like, obviously everybody has their favourite songs, but if you don't know Chicago well, you would still know those two songs. Exactly. And I don't think this disappointed. I loved the use of the chairs. Mm-hmm. I loved the choreography around it and the kind of like musical chairs element where they moved somewhere else. I just love the way it escalates. Yeah, all the way through it. Yeah. And, you know, at this point here, Velma is doing a really good job at coming across, you know, just kind of like this performer character. There's not much... We don't don't know much else about her at this point, Mm -hmm. which I really like that we're going to learn more through being in the world with her. We meet uh, Mama Matron. Morton. Yes. I Matron think, Mama Morton. I yeah. think Sheila Ferguson was fantastic. She was so well cast in this. So well cast in this. Like, There's some, some really nice poise to her performance mm-hmm. that she's grounded and she just uses her hands. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't show a whole lot of movement at all around the stage. Just... But it made you look at her because yeah. everybody else is moving constantly because Fosse. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, it's interesting. And I liked that because it's a little bit different. I don't feel like this character should be one who's there because she's demonstrating her power. Yeah. And it's that kind of quiet power as well. Exactly. It's like, I know I'm powerful. And she's doing a song all about how I've got a lot that I can give to you. Mm-hmm. She knows that she's the powerful character here. And again... You know, I think what's interesting here is at this point in the song, we don't get a sense that she's actually a nice character. She's she's exploiting them. It's not like she's unfair with it. She knows she knows her worth and she knows what she can do. And I think it's interesting that actually, as as the play goes on, this is one character I feel we get the most growth from, who becomes a better person at least mm-hmm. compared to our initial viewpoints on her yeah her comedic timing as well yeah was so good little pauses and things you can play a lot with mum morton as a character and like she did such a good job yeah there's some nice things and some like really like well-placed pauses or well-placed exaggerations Mm -hmm. i'm very glad we got to see her doing the role because that was a treat and if you are in the opposite you know, in the areas that Chicago's touring before she leaves, yeah. definitely check her out because she was she was fantastic in the role. Mm-hmm. We get the the little bit of talking where she, we we see her talking with uh, Velma, and they're obviously not friends, but very much in it together. That Velma's become her favourite, and she's obviously going above and beyond for Velma. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is lining up tours telling her that everyone's interested in her and then roxy comes in and we it's the one moment we get a little bit of hero worship from roxy towards velma yes and that goes out the window very quickly which it doesn't seem to do in the film it feels like in the film she always looks at her even when you know even when she's on the up and up yes up until i think i can't do this alone but yeah i know what you mean yeah it feels like far more here that hero worship goes straight away yeah, but it's again because we're not inside of Roxy's head. Yeah, and I like that because actually it gives Velma far more to play with. Mm-hmm. That it's actually quite satisfying in this version to see Velma losing out on opportunities mm-hmm. because it's her own fault had she just been nice. And she isn't. She's obnoxious, especially the way she's like, I didn't do it, but if I did it, 
you're, you're looking at Islam and being like, oh, you are really nasty and you know what you did and you genuinely have no remorse for this. So it's quite nice that she actually has to go through some hardship here, mm-hmm. which I really liked about this iteration of Elma. And I think Jalenga Scott did a really good job mm-hmm. bringing that side out. And I think her and Faye Brooks really do bounce off each other really well in the show as well. Yeah. There's a nice interplay and they do feel like two very different sides of this vaudeville story. Mm-hmm. I liked tap dance. Not as like a full like feature, but I liked the idea that Roxy plays Amos and we actually got to see it in, in the version of a tap dance. It's like, I thought that was a really nice metaphor walk to life on stage. Mm-hmm. And, and we hear that, you know, she she, she wants this money f- to hire Billy Flynn. He's the best. So she's trying to convince Amos. And Amos, of course, goes and is like, okay, I'll do what I can do. And we get the big entrance of Mr. Billy Flynn. Yes, indeed. With our showgirls. The costumes in this are great. Like Yeah, I love this. I love the way that this is performed. I love that it's still the same fussy choreography that they're using here. Yes. I'm sure there are certain changes made, but to the untrained eye, which mine certainly is, uh, this <laughs> looks exactly like the choreography I've seen every time I've seen this show. And it's fantastic. I love the uh, long raven hair going down about to there with the, the feathers going all the yeah. way down. It's just so cool. And yeah, you've great. Got... Those things are heavy yeah. too. The, and, and they've done so, and especially where they, they twirl around him. Mm-hmm. And again, when they all put the feathers over him and yes. it's just his head sticking out. I like that joke. What I like is the idea that this is how he views himself as a saviour and mm-hmm. someone to be glorified as opposed to how Roxy sees him. I think it's very interesting yeah. that this version of Billy Flynn certainly is a, is a lot more still than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's that power in his stillness, like with Matron Mama Morton. But I didn't expect it out of his character. I was expecting him to be far more movement-based. Yeah. But I think that Russell Watson's voice was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go to some real heights when we get both reaches for the gun. But this is a really great entrance again. Like, it says everything you need to know about this character. Mm-hmm. And especially how he views himself. I loved it. I really did, like, all I care about. So. We go now to a bit I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Maybe the one criticism I have of this show Mm -hmm. is the entrance of Mary Sunshine. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit when we covered the film. And I'd completely forgotten all about it. Yeah. So the sort of joke of Mary Sunshine is that she is a drag act. And... That she is this... Oh, what is the male version of Soprano? Falsetto? I don't know. I'm not music. I'm sure there's a proper term for it. I can't remember it right now. But uh, the character of Mary Sunshine is always played by a man in the theatre who can sing in a high enough falsetto to sound like a woman singing Soprano. Yes. And that is because 
in the 1920s in the sort of vaudeville acts you would get these men that would come and do these performances yes. and sing and they were singing like female opera singers and that was the joke and then at the end like victor victoria yes you rip the wig off reveal oh my goodness it was a man all along actually exactly like victor victoria yeah. that's the role that this cat basically is however that isn't what's done in this it's not mary sunshine ripping their own wig off it's billy flynn revealing her yeah that things are not as as they appear right at the yeah. end of the case so either it's one of two things. Mary Sunshine is a woman who gets outed by Billy Flynn for no reason, or Billy Flynn has paid this person to become a reporter so that he can do this. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea that they're in it together because we get a couple of hints to that. But I like that idea. The issue is, so leading up to her introduction, mm -hmm. Billy Flynn's outlined his plan to Roxy and part of it is getting Mary yeah. Sunshine on board. So she's clearly well established within this world and within Chicago. Mm -hmm. Now, unless he's been playing the long game, waiting for something like this... They can't be in cahoots. Well, exactly. But I do like that as a headcanon that they are in cahoots. And, you know, the bits where like they interact, they know what they're doing. Yeah, I do. I just think it's a little outdated at this point. Like that kind of thing. Maybe if it was treated a bit differently. Yeah. I don't know. Just because it's just there for shock value. And the fact that in every version of it I've seen... The program also, they take a picture of the actor. So in this case, it's B.E. Wong. I believe they said that his first name is Benedict. Yes. In the program, they have a picture of him in Cost costume as Mary Sunshine rather than everybody else's pictures, which are their headshots. Yes. I think I'd be more okay with it if they didn't do that. Yeah, because it's like... If they, they did... weren't trying to like shock value so yeah. hard with this because it's... So unnecessary. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like that Chicago pays homage to all these different vaudeville styles. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to talk about some ventriloquism in a moment. And I really like that. And obviously we're referring to the Victor Victoria performance style where this happens. It's the way in which it's done that even if it was Mary Sunshine to reveal themselves, mm -hmm. you know, things are not as always, you know, that, you know, if. Billy Flynn was to be like, as part of Razzle Dazzle and as part of the case, it passes over to Mary Sunshine. And then Mary does the end of the drag performance like Victor Victoria. And then Billy Flynn says, not everything's as it seems. Mm -hmm. It's weird having him tear the outfit off. I don't like the song a little bit of good, mostly because I don't like the vibrato yeah. of the song. It's just kind of like, I think because you told me, we were looking at the program and you were like, hold a sec, let me figure out this. And you're like, yeah, this is what's happening. You told me before the show. It feels like they're playing it for too much comedy. Yeah. Rather than like, wow, this performer is so talented. It's almost like the whole point is throughout, we're laughing because we know that that's not really a woman. Yeah, basically. As opposed to something that really makes us believe that Mary Sunshine is a woman. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
so they have their little plan and Billy goes on and on about you know here's what you want to do here's what we're going to do and I really like the moments that he's telling Roxy what to do and she's in the background like miming it and he's like sit down stop because mm-hmm. you're not listening to me and there's so much personality to this and I love Faye Brooks's performance because it's so animated it's so over the top and it's so endearing like I feel really conflicted because I actually want to see her get away with murder yeah which I remember thinking when we watched Chicago the film it's like I really wanted Renee Zellweger to be found guilty at the end of it and all this was for nothing mm. but here I really wanted Faye Brooks to be found not guilty and I liked it because she's just a doofus. Just the way that she played. Not a doofus, but like she's kind of a dog. Yeah, in a cute way. Like it's really endearing. And it was fantastic as a performance. Yeah, especially with the role where we literally watched her murder somebody on stage. She made us like her yes. a lot. Yeah. Which is more than I think, like you say, the film does. And it is very interesting. I said this to you during the interval. We're trying to root for characters we don't necessarily agree with and that's always very difficult mm-hmm. and you know the film is is it's okay because like the glitz and glamour of it but here you know i almost believe what flynn has said that like she's just got in with the wrong crowd yeah too much too soon and jazz and liquor and it's like oh yeah i want to see her get off and mm-hmm. perhaps that's the brilliance of this media circus is taking us from you know zero to hero yeah we both reached for the gun. I don't know if this is one that a lot of people would look up, look, look forward to. Mm-hmm. It was for me because I loved the sequence in the film. And I think this was fantastic. This was one of my highlights. Because yeah. I love how everyone's around with the media scrum and like taking pictures. I loved how Fabrics was literally just like all loose. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the puppetesque movements. And like the moments where she stands up, she's like, are you kidding? And he, he literally gets her back down and pulls her down. Yeah. You know, Russell Watson had great control of her. Mm-hmm. The fact that she would lean forward on the stage and he was holding onto her and pulling her back down. Yep. And the song itself was really energetic and really fun. We had that brilliant bit at the end where he did the, we both reached for... Oh, yeah, he swapped up into his... Like, obviously, he is a tenor. Um, but he's like Russell Watson swapped up into his like very obvious, yeah, operatic tenor voice, which was really cool. Got a big cheer at the big end. Big old of it. cheer, yeah. And I I don't know if they were necessarily prepared for a cheer because everyone's no, they cheering. held the show for a second for the cheer, yeah, because they like were ready to move on and then they had to just hold it for a minute because like great. yeah, so might be a very unique response but it was great it was and especially because Roxy stands up and presents him as well it's almost like she was inviting us because the fourth wall is very broken in this Mm -hmm. they're talking to us a lot I like Roxy where she's all like these are my boys I'm a star and it's nice to see like her growing in her sexuality and being more upfront and honest like oh I can have this now I don't have to be hiding it and I like the way the boys all interact with her I don't remember this song from the film. Was this in the film? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a very rem- uh, like memorable sequence then in the film. I really like to hear how all the boys interact. And there's like, again, the way Faye Brooks has performed this is she's looking to us and she's almost, she's as in shock as we are. Yeah. And I like the bit where she's on the floor overcome by all these men and they're all going up to go, Roxy. 
and doing something with her hats. And she's all just like... Do you know what it really reminded me of? You know the bit in Rocky Horror where they all sing Creature of the Night? <laughs> Absolutely. It's very like that. Yeah. It was just so much fun. And then obviously we have Fred Casely come back on. But he's, he's, his hat is really hiding his face. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was going to end up with her being a little bit shocked to see this version of like Fred alive again. Oh, I thought she was. I thought that was the point, like, because he was saying, obviously he was saying her name, but then we can also hear Amos saying her name yes. as well off stage. Yeah. And I, I just liked that. I thought it was a really, you know, interesting perspective to it here. Mm-hmm. It, it, the thing with this is it, it is, as a show, it's all about the razzle dazzle. That They know this and they have very small moments of the talking and the interacting to move the plot forward. Because mm-hmm. they know that the strength in this show is in its choreography, is in its music. I can't really remember what happened between Roxy and I can't do it alone. In terms of did Amos come out and is this where we have like Amos talking with Billy Flynn about how, you know, we'll sell all of Roxy's stuff, we'll make her a star and then I'll take the case. Yeah. There's a lot of bits I can't remember exactly. I know we had the moment here where, because Roxy's got her set, like her name in the headlines and she's interacting and showing it to uh, our musical director and it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Does it then just go straight into after this, the fact that Velma is jealous of the fact that there's more media attention on Roxy and Matron... Mama Morton says, you've lost, people aren't interested in you anymore, they want her. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. Because that's that's the one issue I have, I guess. Well, I say one issue. I've got two issues with this show. Miss Sunshine. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that sometimes the narrative and the plot isn't exciting because I just want another musical number. And I just forget where things were placed. But Velma resolves, you know, okay... I want to be famous. I'm going to have to convince this girl to do a double act with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked I Can't Do It Alone because it felt funnier than it did in the film. Mm hmm. I I mean, maybe I need to rewatch the film. Maybe it is a funny sequence in the film, but it felt so much funnier here where she's like, I would do this and then she would do that. And it was like really ridiculous. Yeah. And I like the bits where she's like, What do you think? And Roxy just like makes noises at her. Yeah. And, you know, Roxy's even now got the Hungarian doing her cleaning and chores because everything seems to have shifted in the power. Mm-hmm. And we, the, I know what happens here at the end of Act 2. At, at the end of Act 1, as I remember, we have the new murderess and she was that, like, countess's daughter. And we have that great bit with the Tommy Oh, yeah, gun. her name is Go to Hell Kitty. Go to, I love the way she comes in, sees her husband there, goes and gets ready, then comes back and, like, there's a lot of people in one bed Mm -hmm. and she gets the tommy gun and she shoots them all and the colors and the lighting is really really good and it wasn't you've warned me before the show that there'd be bangs yeah no but they did it with the i've seen it done before where they don't do this with the orchestra they actually put gunshot noises in but i like the way they did it with the orchestra this was better having a it was really really good and then she comes out now everyone's very very interested in her and you had like the nice media scrum and it was, I remember it being saved really, really well in the film, the, the behind the bars. Yeah. And everyone's just ignoring, like Christine Bransky ignores Roxy. 
but they've staged it quite well here that you've obviously got the parallel kind of lines all looking in and Roxy and Belmore on the outside and they're both like we're in trouble now yeah so we get my own best friend that I've got to look out for myself mm-hmm. and Velma doesn't seem to have a plan but Roxy Roxy is like oh no faints the baby yep yep and we get the interval as she's got all the attention squarely on her, her once more and I'd forgotten about that twist as well and the fact that I was like <gasps> watching it again like I got <laughs> so caught up in the magic of this like that's the thing is it is such a great spectacle so we come back from the interval mm-hmm. where there's wonderful entr'acte, which is just the band. And this is where we do get Andrew Hilton really like interacting with the audience. It's just them. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice opportunity just to really showcase all the talented people in the band. So you've got Joshua Griffith doing piano and accordion, Tommy Clayden, drums, percussion, Mike Collin, banjo, mandolin. And ukulele. Mm-hmm. Jonathan May is on the tuba, which is great because you've got the wah, wah, wah. Uh, Alan Hayes and Simon Crick on the trumpet, Simon Walker on the trombone. You've got Matt Davis, Rodri Taylor, and Jamie Fathers on the reed. Mm-hmm. It was really nice just to give them a solid moment because they are on stage the whole time and really are pivotal in the success of this show. Yeah. So liked the on-track, giving them the opportunity to just enjoy themselves. Yeah. And then we have I Know a Girl. <laughs> so, you know, everyone's concerned about Roxy. She's pregnant and in jail. So obviously Billy is going to rush her off. And Velma's not buying it for a second. Yeah. And she's the opposite side of the stage at the top of the ladder. And she pauses as we get some exposition. But I really like at the end, she's complaining to the audience. Mm-hmm. And even the person who sat holding the ladder for her is no longer interested in her because we're going to find out about Roxy and just pushes yeah. the ladder. And you hear her go, whoa! We never saw that kind of side of Velma. She always felt like she was in control and calm. And it's quite nice to see her be frantic and comedic. Mm-hmm. Then we have me and my baby. I like the song. I like the dance that they do with it. The dance is funny. The dance is nice. I I like the comedic side of Faye Brooks, but Mm -hmm. I felt like the weird baby noises during the song were a little like... You get creeped out by stuff like that, though. I do. That's a me thing. And so it's not a criticism of this show. Like, I had the exact same, like, abject horror during Be More Chill. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you wanna ride? Do yeah. you wanna Whereas, like, I just find that funny, so... Come and fill my diaper. See? It is bad. <laughs> That's gross. Anything that refers to diapers is gross. But... I like the jokes with this, that, like... She is getting all of the sympathy for being pregnant and being in prison. Yes, and you also have the young doctor... Mm-hmm. Who likes you know delivers a press? Yeah, Theo like, Reese, who says yes, he would uh, sign or uh, agreed to stand on stage to what he said. Yeah, and Billy Flynn is like, pull your fly up, mate. Yeah, basically. So we know why he's come around, mm-hmm. which is really gross when you think about it. But then, like, Roxy's the one 
I guess, controlling this situation. So, not really. Uh, I know it's it's a, it's a gross joke that I didn't like then, and I don't like now. Mm-hmm. And yes, nobody is interested. But Amos keeps coming out. It's like I'm the father. I'm the father. Yeah. And obviously, Billy Flynn is like taking issue with this. So Billy's plan is for Amos to. Obviously, there is no baby. This is all just made up. Yes. So his plan is to have Amos divorce Roxy so that she will get press sympathy. Followed by having her then be like, oh no, she still loves you and it's your baby kind of thing. And then publicly, like on the the, the defence stand, be like, oh, well I withdraw everything. Good day, sir. Yes, exactly. So. And it works. It works perfectly. It does work perfectly. It's it's a game of chess. Mm -hmm. But I really like this bit where Amos goes into Flynn's office and Billy doesn't even know he's there. Yeah. And... You know, Flynn tells him, it's like, what makes you think you're the dad? Have you done the math? Mm-hmm. You know, because you've said that you weren't intimate for like four months and the baby is at this point. And then <laughs> Amos gets really angry and Billy turns and goes, oh, Amos, I didn't see you there. I thought you'd left. Yeah. And we get Mr. Cellophane. This song is so like tragic and heartbreaking and it's really, really great. And I think that... Amos is like one of my favourite characters throughout. And and Jamie Borhan is is great with it. Whereas everyone else, when they're finally like announced for mm-hmm. their big number, because everyone gets a number in this. They get like some glitz, some glamour, some showgirls or some boys. Yeah. What I think is the most heartbreaking thing about Mr. Cellophane is like Amos believes the only thing he warrants mm-hmm. is a pair of gloves. Yeah. And he's just like doing the most simple movements and he does like the saddest little can can. And it's not done for humour. It feels very much like, oh, this poor man is just being manipulated from every angle. And I just want to see him. I want to see him like break free from all of this because he deserves better than this. Right. And Mr. Cellophane is so heartbreaking. And I was just like, I loved this sequence. I thought it was great. Really nice character moment. But just the fact that all he deserves in his mind is the gloves. He doesn't want, you know, everything else. It's so sad. It speaks volumes as to, you know, the serious gaslighting that Roxy's done to him. But mm-hmm. that's how he views his worth. Yeah. He leaves the stage getting a big cheer. Yep. And then Billy comes back into the jail. Yeah, because the end of his song is, uh, sorry if I took up too much of your time. Yeah. And then he leaves. The poor man. Yeah. He's too good for this world. He's too good for this world. And he's too good for these characters. Mm-hmm. Flynn comes back into the prison and Velma accosts him and is like, oh, do you want to hear my ideas that I've got? Mm-hmm. And we get when Velma takes the stand and obviously she runs by all these ideas, you know, she's going to cry. She's going to ask for water. She's going to do some fancy like crying. And this is a really fun little number. Like when Velma takes the stand. Mm-hmm. I liked the the rhythm to it. It's very short, but it's a nice punchy sequence and it's going to crop up later. Yeah, her whole like plan here with Roxy and Billy both listening to it. Exactly. She goes through everything, which is her own fault. And she deserves it again for just kind of dismissing Mm -hmm. Roxy. Like 
this is this is all her own hubris for believing her own hype and then we, we go pretty much into the finale at this point that Flynn once again outlines his plan oh no we don't because Flynn outlines his plan and Roxy says she doesn't need him because she starts to believe her own hype mm-hmm. and this is when we have the Hungarian rope trick yes and I, what I really liked about this sequence was the fact that even Mama Morton is like freaked out about it. Yeah, and because she's seen the Hungarians, I don't speak her language. I pay her less. I know she does speak her language. But she does now. Yeah. But you know she's exploiting it at the first. But now she's like, there's some genuine sympathy here that she's like. Well, that's the thing because up to this point, she kind of just assumed that all of these girls would just be in prison here forever, so she might as well make relationships with them. Yeah. But because nobody has ever hanged any of these women It's like 46 and 0, isn't it? Yeah, no woman has ever been hanged. You just get sentenced for life. So this is the first time, so it is freaking everybody out, and it freaks Roxy out for sure. Yeah, and the way you have the Hungarian rope trip is very powerfully done mm-hmm. with the climbing uh, and the, the the drums being very in time with each of her steps. Yep. And then you have the and then just the spotlight as a rope drops. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't actually show anything. Like it is... No, obviously. And I don't think that would be sensible. No. But... I love how this is done with the the ladder swings around and the rope drops. Yeah, and we 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 understand. You know? Yeah, we we read between lines. We know what's happened here, and it is a really really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember who played her, but I'm not certain on which character it is. It's not Hunyak, is it Hunyak? Yes, Holly Jane Stevens, I think, did a really good job. You know, some beautiful dancer when she's in the ensemble. Really talented dancer. But some lovely vulnerability here, right up until the end. And then, like, the grace and the dignity with the way she climbs. You know, she knows what's going to happen. And it is really sad and it is really thought-provoking. And it's like you have the spotlight and you let it rest for a second before you cut to Roxy saying, I will do it your way. I'm sorry. Just, do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. And she's, like, humbled by it. Mm-hmm. And yes, we go into Razzle Dazzle, which is anticlimactic here, if you're a fan of the film, I think. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's bad, because I enjoyed it. I think it's really, really good. However, like I said, when we did our movie episode covering Chicago, the version in the stage show is slower. Yes. And treated slightly differently. It's less about the ways in which he is going to trick people and more of just explaining how this is going to work yes and i feel like instead of being a performer here billy flynn is like the ringmaster mm-hmm. you know he has a cane instead of doing this really elaborate great tap routine he's just directing others and flowing traffic it's like he's got all these different witnesses he's bringing in he's bringing the full circus yeah as opposed to being the centre of attention and wowing everyone with his silver tongue. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It's definitely slower. If you go into never seeing Chicago, I think you'll enjoy it. Yep. If you go into this having seen Chicago, 
only the film. It's it's slightly different. Yeah. Not bad. It's just slightly different. I really love the whole defense, everything, how it works and how like melodramatic it is. The way, you know, um, <laughs> Fred Casey comes back on and it's all like emphasized. I am mad and you will do this. And like even Amos comes on and he's this really like contorted version of himself. Where he's like, well, I'm going to mate with my wife. Oogle, oogle, oogle. Yeah. It's I love you, honey. I love you. Yeah, that. And it's so like grotesque and melodrama. And I love that there's no emotion or personality to it. It's, it's, it's like we all can see right through them. Yeah. And like they're all falling for it anyway mm-hmm. because the distractions of the razzle dazzle, which I think is a really nice showcase of just how good Flynn is. Yeah. And I love this sequence. Like it was really, really enjoyable to watch, you know, the, the really hamming it up acting going on on stage. Mm. And you cut really nicely to uh, Mama Matron Morton, Matron Mama Morton, however you say it, Triple M. You cut to Triple M and Velma listening to Mary Sunshine talk about the whole like circus on, on the wireless. Yeah. And you hear, you don't need to see it. It's funnier for hearing it and seeing Velma's oh, reaction. Velma's reaction to hearing that Roxy stole her bit. Like all of her bits. The whole thing, even the shoes. Even the shoes. And it's so much fun. And I love this song. Class isn't in the film. No. I love hearing them complain. Like the irony that you've got, you know, a murderess and... Mama Morton who makes money. Yeah, who's like this kind of... all of these people. Yeah, like she, she's... Crooked, not in a, not in a, the, the negative slimy way we always anticipate, but like this crooked jail warden talking about class. Like, there's no class today, and the way this song is performed, it made me feel very much like this was My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really nice little sequence. We cut back to the very very end of the show. You know, the, the razzle dazzle or the media circus, and Roxy nearly slips up because. She forgets something and Billy Flynn's trying to coach her and he's like told no. You've had the bit where Amos comes out and they say to him, it's like, whoever, no one, did no one ever tell you that you are the father? You just, you inferred it. And he's like, oh, I withdraw my statements. And everything ends. And just as we're about to get a verdict. Yeah. The media moves on to the next one. Mm-hmm. there's been a mass shooting outside she's done it let's go see what's going on yeah and she basically she says she was counting on having the media there so that she would get a lot of advertising basically yes. so that she can go on tour after this in vaudeville um, yeah. but that doesn't happen yeah and it's kind of like do you know what i love it it's the perfect outcome for her because she's just a nobody now mm-hmm. people don't care anymore and it's what she deserves she's got away with this this crime yep Playing this awful system by lying, endearing us to her. Yeah. She deserves to come out of it and be a nobody post it. I don't remember nowadays, I have to admit. You've had. You don't? No. I know that we. So we've had Billy Flynn make his exits, like play my exit music. And then you have Amos come out and he comforts her and she's like, there is he's no like, baby. But it's fine, we're going to have a baby. And she's like, you're an idiot. And I feel like he's finally like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that's what he needs. He's like, I am done. Which is why he then says, 
my exit music, if you please, which nothing happens. So he so walks he off leaves. and gets a huge cheer anyway. Mm-hmm. But I like that. It's kind of like the exit music because he's done with this world because mm-hmm. we never see Billy Flynn again. Nope. But I, I, I don't. Until the bows, obviously. No, but I don't remember nowadays. Uh, it, it's in Glee. <laughs> you would oh, know it, it from Glee. It's the one in Glee that uh, Rachel sings with Gwyneth Paltrow. They have the big fur coats on. It's like a whole thing. Oh yes, I do remember it now because it's right before the hot honey rag. Yeah, and it's okay, and it's, it's right. The it's song the song she sings. It's going the big vaudeville act because she's like, I know what I need. Yeah, and she's now realised she's in the position that Velma was like this time at, at the end of Act One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun number. So they team up. Yes, they team and up. They sing nowadays, which is like quite a slow song, and then we have a member of the ensemble come on and say. Let's make the hemline shorter and the drinks stronger, and then they do the hot honey rag. Yes, and you have which like which has the... my favorite choreography ever. Well, you have the nice little like glittery curtain drop, and they're performing right in front of it, like they are mm-hmm. at a vaudeville show. And it does say the original choreography by Bob Fosse, like it's untouched for a reason because it's brilliant. It's so good, and they both do an amazing job with it. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much, and it's a really nice way to end. Yeah, we have our finale number. Everyone gets a bow. As standing ovation yeah it was a standing ovation and, and they deserved it this is such a good show absolutely deserved it and there was a, a really lovely energy coming out of the show mm-hmm. people had a good time with this it's a really good audience as well yeah bar bar one slight critique of some th- questionable theater etiquette it was a really good audience yes the uh unfortunately the woman who was sat next to me decided she needed to sing along to some of the songs she didn't know very many of them which fine i mean it's it's frustrating some people go to sing fine that her phone is on her lap and lighting up all the i mean time. it wasn't fine it was very irritating but there, that's not the most annoying thing <laughs> the most the most irritating thing was she took her shoes off and i was like what a weird thing to do but she came in late Sat down. As it was starting. As it was starting. Took a picture of the stage. Tweeted it. I was like, okay, I can live through this. And then she like leant over and took her shoes off. And I was just sat there like, oh my God, what is happening? Now, I do not understand. If you are somebody who takes your shoes off in the theatre, explain to me, please. Because I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Like, oh, you know, The way that this person watched the show was like they were in their own house watching it on... That they're watching a pro shot on YouTube or Yeah, it was very, very weird. But it did not take away from how incredible the performers of this show were. No, luckily, I I was able to tune out the glowing of the phone. Yeah. And I was able to drown out them singing. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is just so weird. I've never the shoes seen... thing was weird. I've never seen anybody take the shoes. No, off I've never before. seen that before. That is a very, very weird thing that has never happened to me before. And if again, explain if if that's if someone if you're someone who takes the shoes at the theatre, let me know why. Really oh, and she was wearing trainers too. It's not like she had sliders on yeah. or anything. It was very weird. It, it did delay everyone getting up for the interval. A lot of people behind me being like huffy. <laughs> yeah, that too. What is your best song? From this iteration of Chicago, because obviously we've got a few extra songs. It's the Hot Honey Rag. Even though it's not actually a song. It is a just... song. I would. Li- I listen to the music. No, 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 I, I mean, no, that's fine. Usually you don't go for instruments. That's why I'm, that's why I'm really intrigued. 
This is the exception. I am going to go for uh, Old Reliable. I'm going to go for We Both Reach for the Gun. It is so well done. It's so well done. The choreography was great. And like, you know, the whole dummy thing was really good. I was worried that they might actually have like a dummy on stage. And no, they it, it was not. And it's perfect. It's so well done. Yeah. And that's a song that has stuck with me since we first saw it. What, if we were listening to the soundtrack of this, would be your skip song? I'm going to assume it's the Hot Honey Rag. No. I didn't mind the Hot Honey Rag. Um, nowadays, I guess, is it a skip song? Because I don't really remember it. Possibly. Well, mine is a little bit of good. Yeah, that I mean, that's Sunshine that is my song. skip song. That I wouldn't listen to it, especially the way it's performed here with the weird like echoey falsetto. You know, it just mm-hmm. the voice is kind of grating, and I know that's what they're going for. And it doesn't it doesn't alter the fact that you've got a very very talented, great performer in BE One playing the role, because when he's not having to sing that way. Yes. Because the voice is magnificent. Mm-hmm. It just it's a shame because it, it it becomes too much of a joke as opposed to anything enjoyable. Yeah. Which role do you want to play? Because you've got options. Well, I mean, other than that, obviously this is fictional. I would never be cast in Chicago. No, I'm, I cannot. Dance. Is that not the same for every Full time we've stop. said this? I, yes. I'm not being cast in any of the shows we've ever covered. But I would love to play Roxy Hart. I love that role. I love her songs. I think I'd have a good time. I agree with Ian that if I had the opportunity to be in Chicago, there's one character I'm auditioning for, and that's Amos. Mm-hmm. It's just such a... He, he's too good for this world. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't want to play it for laughs. I'd want to play it for, you know, like... Love. Love. Yeah. Who's your MVP in this one? Because I know we, we both said coming out of this, the same person. Because I, I said... Andrew Hilton, the musical director, because I just love the personality and the small moments that they shine. They've the bits that really stuck with me. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. It's not often you get the odd thing here or there where a conductor does something, mm-hmm. especially like pantos, they might throw something back, but nothing to this extent where they are such a character. Well, the only other thing I've ever seen where the, the conductor got so involved is like. Um, sister act the conductor is the pope at the end <laughs> yes you've mentioned like, that. that's funny but that's that one bit but this is all the way through and it's fantastic so yeah, yeah i think you're right if we remove andrew hilton is there any character that you feel stood out for you absolutely jalenga scott as velma velma kelly because the way that she plays her she's such her own character yeah she's great it, it must be so tempting just to you know be Catherine zeta jones and it was really refreshing to see well, Jalenga Scott. This show has been running for a very, very long time, it's right? 75? It is, yeah, it is hard to bring something new to roles that are so iconic. Because, like, and I think about it in terms of, like, Les Mis as well. If you're playing Eponine, you know, you have to choose. Are you going to do the arms or are you not going to do the arms? Yeah. Like, it's very difficult to bring your own personality to some of these roles but i think jalanga scott did a fantastic job yeah and i would echo that however faye brooks for me just because there was <laughs> roxy and velma basically yeah roxy yeah. and velma i could say that everyone has a moment shining this and everyone contributes really well i i adored faye brooks in this i think she was absolutely fantastic as roxy i did get a pin a badge that says Roxy on it. Yes, you did. So I will let that 
banner be waved. You know, I am I'm Team Roxy. <laughs> yeah, you can be Team Velma. <laughs> yes, indeed. Is Velma your favorite Scooby Doo character too? No, my favorite Scooby Doo character is Fred. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Fine. I know it's like said nobody ever, but Fred's the best character. He's so weird. I literally do not know my fiance, ladies and gentlemen. Who mm. is this woman that I am marrying? Who you is... just say that because I would be Velma if I was in Scooby Doo. I honestly thought Velma was your favorite. I honestly <laughs> no, thought Velma Fred. was your favorite. Scooby Doo would be a great like musical. I know that they have musicals like Scooby Doo's, but it'd be a great musical. Mm-hmm. Next week we are going to go to. The new Wimbledon theatre. Yeah, we are. For the first time. I've been there before quite a few times for Blood Brothers. I saw uh, a pantomime. I believe it was Cinderella there. Yeah, it was because Buttons totally wiped out on the stage and it was great. And yeah, it was the adults only night of the... I like Wimbledon theatre. I've been there. Yeah, it's a lovely theatre. It's a lovely theatre, so very, very excited. It's the first time we'll go in official podcasting, like, Yes, indeed. ...roles. And we are going to go see a musical that has had, like Chicago, a huge Oscar-winning film. Mm -hmm. However, I've not seen it. So it's kind of like Chicago in reverse. Yeah. What are we going to be watching? We are going to see Dreamgirls. I I can't wait to talk about Dreamgirls because I have very limited thoughts, mm-hmm. but I'm excited. I think it'd be nice to see this musical, this format, and then obviously compare it to the film later on down the line, maybe a few months from now. Yes, indeed. We did a poll for the first time in a while. Feels like ages. Are you a fan of Chicago? 77% of people on Instagram said yes, with 23% of people saying no. Well, that's interesting. Mm, I thought so. I thought I thought it'd be higher, like more people saying yes. I'm surprised we've got so many no's. Yeah, if you don't like Chicago, let us know why. That's really interesting. Well, this is the thing I find with our polls. Very rarely do people critique it. They'll say what they love about them when they interact, but we don't often get told why. Yeah, I'd like to know. Yes. If voted no to Chicago, please DM me. <laughs> I want to know. On Twitter... 14% of people said I've never seen it, be that the stage or the musical, you should, or the film, you should go see it. 9% of people said it's okay. 5% of people said no, reach for the gun. 72% of people said yes, razzle dazzles me. So still quite lower than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But obviously we have you know, 14% of people there that haven't seen it. Yes. Uh, we heard from a few people at my name Molly underscore said I love it. Seen the show five times now. It's so much fun. M a verbal diorama said one of the two few musicals I've actually seen live with David Hasselhoff as Billy Flynn, no less. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. I love Chicago. The songs, the music, the set pieces, the choreography, period pieces always work for me. I love the movie too. And if you're listening to us, go check out M's podcast, Verbal Diorama, because it's a great film podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends uh, from Pod Clubhouse at Pop Culture Review. I've seen it a bunch since the 96 Broadway revival began. First saw it with Mary Lou Henner and Babe Newworth. And it never disappoints. It always razzle dazzles me. I gave this five stars. Even the bits I disliked didn't stop me having a good time cool me too how did it compare to seeing it on broadway 
I mean, did I this... mean, it was basically the same, which is what I like. I loved about it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's always difficult when you see something you love and then you see it again, and they've changed things, and maybe it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. And if you've had, I a always good... do. <laughs> good. And if you've had a good time, join us over on Twitter and Instagram and tell us what you enjoy about Chicago or. Are you not a fan? Let us know. Slide into our DMs and say why you're not a fan of Chicago. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MusicalPod, and you can find us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG host, Podbean. And if you like what we do, why not leave us a five-star review and tell us what you enjoy about It's a Musical Podcast on any of those platforms. But until next week, where we will be seeing Green Girls, we will see you the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.